You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. And I am your host, Rick Franzi. And man, do we have a good show planned for you. Bruce Watanabe, who is the CEO of Power Buy, is our guest. Bruce, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick. Let's get to it. Yeah, we're, I'm excited to have you on the show. And so let's get started. You, your current business has been in business for about two years. So right. let's go back, Bruce. What was the original motivation for you to start this business? Well, Rick, what keeps me going and my main motivator with regards to starting my entrepreneurship journey primarily came from my father, who's also an entrepreneur himself. Um, I grew up watching my father grow his company from a small business to an international company. And I've always told myself that one day, um, not only do I want to achieve my father's success, but be able to surpass him. And that's probably what kept me going every day. Outside of other factors, obviously, but that's probably my primary motivation to start my business. And that's a healthy rivalry with your father? To well, he wanna... retired 10 years ago, but he's always okay. keeping tabs on me to see how, how I'm doing. <laughs> uh, I have a grown son, and I know there's a very healthy, positive uh, challenge between him and I. We just were away for a weekend retreat, and it's kind of fun to get into a snowball fight and whatever you used to do with them as little, even as adults, there's a little bit of that. So that's, that's great. Yes. So what have you learned uh, or have you had any pivots? So let's roll that into two. What have you learned since you launched this company and have there been any major or minor pivots on the way? Oh my God. That's a great question. Uh, I've had a few battle wounds that I can share with your audience. Um, any successful startups that eventually exited, whether it's an acquisition or IPO, in my opinion, has had to go through major or minor pivots throughout their journey. Like, I don't know of any venture that hit a home run right off the get-go based on a business plan or based on, or based on their original concept. Like, let me give you an example. Like Airbnb, I mentioned this earlier, Rick. Everyone knows of their major successes, but they actually pivoted eight times before they wow. went public. So what you see on the outside is not actually what had transpired through the entrepreneurship or the company journey, which now comes to my own journey with my latest social commerce venture called Powerbuy. Um, so my company has gone through two major pivots based on different circumstances, but it revolved around growth metrics or outside factors such as fundraising. My first pivot um, happened back in 2018 in January, where I took over as CEO. So prior to that, we initially launched with our own marketplace called Mass Genie back in, I think, around April 2017, and which was similar to other marketplaces like Amazon, Walmart, etc. But the only difference was that we had PowerBuy as an alternate checkout experience to the traditional buy now or add to cart that you typically see on an e-commerce marketplace. And unfortunately, Rick, uh, we failed to achieve our growth targets in 2017. But most importantly, we failed to prove the we failed to prove the concept. So when I took over as CEO, I was faced with a difficult task to understand what had transpired and what we had to do in order to turn this company around. But I knew and was confident that conceptually, PowerBuy was still the key to our success. I knew that in my heart, and my investors knew that. But somehow, the first iteration of Mass Genie was not yielding the results and metrics that we wanted to achieve. 
So what I did is I took a step back. I conducted numerous focus groups with several universities as well as some friends and family. And I realized that it wasn't the concept that needed to change. It was mainly the user experience that needed to be more simplified since it was a brand new check concept that we we're introducing to the world. So we spent roughly four months from January through April in 2018, and we relaunched the marketplace with a brand new user experience without changing the concept. And that's when we started to take off. Uh, from May through December 2018, we closed the year with 4.64 million versus 234,000 in 2017. And in Q1, the following year in 2019, we did 3.4 million. And in Q2, we did over 4.8 million. So we were basically on a rocket ship. And during that same time, we opened up our Series A round. And two weeks prior to the close around is a pretty big round, uh, roughly around July and August of that year. And without going into the details, the deal with my lead VC fell apart and we weren't able to close around and without the new funding in place we were not we were not able to sustain our top line growth and we were forecasting to do about 50 million that year in total revenue so once again we were forced to make a major decision either shut down the company due to the lack of funding to fuel our growth or pivot the business and we chose the latter in september 2019. But although we lost our Series A that year, we knew that we proved the power by concept because all of our growth that we achieved in 2018 and 2019 was on the heels of power by the concept, you know, and everyone, we had a product market fit, we were able to get consumer adoption, et cetera. And so what we, we, so we knew that. So what we decided to do in our pivot is to make power by available to brands and retailers as a SaaS offering. So looking back, um, I'm always in the belief that everything happens for a reason, Rick. And, and I'm glad that we made that decision to pivot to SaaS as we have better unit economics now and we don't need as much capital to fuel our growth. Our merchant acquisition cost now is less than a penny versus mm -hmm. or we brought it down to like $19 per customer. And I'm proud to say currently, Rick, we have over 800 plus uh, Shopify merchants worldwide currently using Power by Today. And we were able to reopen our Series A round again with our new business model. So uh, sorry about the long story, but yeah, we had we pivoted twice, up and downs, uh, et cetera. So yeah, that's that's kind of my story, and I'm sure that we'll have another pivot in, in the near future. So, so let me let me unpack that just a little bit, Bruce, because that's such an entrepreneurial journey. Uh, high level question: From your perspective as the founder, dealing with the investors and VCs, how distracting and you still have to do your day job but how demanding and distracting can it be when you're out working with potential investors to buy into the vision of the company and then ultimately to make the commitment and invest in the company yeah so you have to wear two fat two um, two hats as a ceo one is you got to basically continue to run your day-to-day -day operations and achieve your growth metrics that you basically promise your existing investors and number two is to look for new investors, uh, whether it's coming from a VC, family offices or corporate VCs. What I did was I had to delegate the day to day operations to my executive team while I focused on basically meeting the new investors. And that's kind of how I was able to navigate through uh, my seed round all the through my series A round is to basically have a team in place 
that understands your vision, that understands your, your business and being able to alleviate that and delegate that to them while I basically focus on VC funding. Because as long as the businesses continue to grow and we're meeting our objectives and growth metrics, the VCs will fall into place. So they go hand in hand. Right. So, so I'm wondering, um, what's it like when, when you have a team that has worked so hard on a business model and they're starting to get some results, a couple hundred thousand dollars, maybe it's nowhere near what the plan was, but I have to believe those pivot, those moments of pivot don't come with a universal agreement across the, the leadership team. So as the CEO, how do you, how did you and how do you bring focus to the decision that has to be made, even if it's not a popular or at least a unanimous decision, Bruce? For for me personally, um, the vision and mission is critical in any startup ventures or even or even an enterprise. So as long as the vision and mission is clear to the executive team, all the way down to the engineers and customer experience managers uh, that are supporting the business, as long as those that vision and mission is clear, then I think that we can get through any hurdles, up and downs, et cetera, uh, from, from, a, from a startup to an enterprise business. So keeping that vision and mission very clear and transparent across the entire organization is, uh, I believe, is is a key to success. Okay, so in that, you went from a B to C model, if I understand the evolution of to what is now Power by, to a B to B model. Correct. And, and when did you sense that? How long before you actually made that change did you sense as an entrepreneur? I think there may be a better path to market to deliver on our vision and our mission than the current go-to-market strategy that we have inside the company. So the B2B business model was always in our roadmap um, okay. in the company. We wanted to start with B2C on our own marketplace first, make sure that there's product market fit, consumer adoption, because the whole power by constant is fairly new in, in, you know, in the world, primarily in the U.S. as well. So what, what happened was when I lost my Series A, it kind of forced me to fast track the B2B model. And although our original plan was to grow the B2C, get it to, you know, you know, 50 million was our goal that year, 250 was the following year, and then go to B2B once we're able to, you know, create a big splash about power buy. But because of the fact that our Series A, we lost our Series A round, we just didn't have the capital to continue to fuel that growth. Therefore, we fast-tracked power by B2B into the 2020 roadmap. So that's what we did. So it was never like we, you know, we thought about it one day and also we decided to go to B2B. It was always in our roadmap. We just, we, we were just forced to fast track it. Is it. Would you say, Bruce, and I, I don't know, maybe, but looking back on it, losing that round of funding was actually to the benefit of the company and PowerBuy? Yeah, as I, as I alluded earlier, Rick, uh, it, you know, things happen for a reason. And I, re I really believe that I am glad that we lost our Series A. Wow. And we had to, we were forced to pivot uh, because I would have just kept on having to raise more, more, more <laughs> yeah. money in order for me to fuel our growth. And in, in the marketplace business, Rick, I mean, you need a lot of money, a lot of money to continue to fuel that growth. Like Amazon.com, you know, barely started making money on the marketplace business like a couple of years ago. You know, they, they were losing money. I mean, AWS is primarily their, their, their uh, profit uh, generator, but .com is, it takes a lot of money to grow right. and sustain. So let's talk about Power Buy because we've talked around it, but 
um, I, I feel like we could go a little deeper on what exactly does Power Buy do? Why do these platforms and all these sellers find it as a valuable uh, product to offer, service to offer, and how they're selling their products? Sure. So Power Buy is a new, innovative, and interactive checkout experience that rewards shoppers like yourselves when they purchase more items while also sharing those items with their friends and family on social media, whether it's WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. And the Power Buy Checkout experience incorporates like features such as group buy, multi-product checkout. We leverage a lot of proprietary AI ML technologies to drive conversions, social gamification and social sharing. And it's all to make the checkout experience more interactive and fun versus when you click on a buy now or add to cart, it's really boring and it's been around since the 90s. So e-commerce as a whole, in my sheer opinion, has not been disrupted. Mm. Like, you know, like there's a lot of buy now, pay later ventures that are creating a big splash right now. But at the end of the day, it's not a checkout experience. It's just a payment option. And they piggyback off the existing checkout flow like buy now or add to cart. So I believe, or we believe at our company that Power Buy is a true disruptor in e-commerce. Just similar to what Airbnb did with hospitality and Uber and Lyft did with transportation. We believe Power Buy is disrupting or will disrupt e-commerce, social commerce. So from a serial entrepreneur's perspective, Bruce, why do you think that experience even needs to be disrupted? Because Power Buy, uh, number one, e-commerce hasn't been, and I think it's right for being disruptive. But number two, Power Buy, you know, provides value to both the shoppers and merchants. You know, the shoppers, they get a discount, right? If you, mm -hmm. you know, buy more friends and more, more shoppers are getting into the deal. But more importantly, what Power Buy does is it provides these brands and retailers ways to basically drive down their customer acquisition costs. So before in the past, mm -hmm. if you want to drive traffic to your e-commerce store, you need to pay for it. Clicks, ads, impressions, Google and Facebook, right? And a lot of the times it's, it's hard to gauge the ROI. Now, the moment you put the Power Buy button or the checkout option, now you're leveraging your existing customer base to drive the demand for you. So when you post it on Facebook or Instagram, what have you, that one shopper just created potentially a thousand impressions for that brand. So Power Buy, I believe, is a first social commerce plugin that provides value to both the shoppers and merchants. So, so do you find, uh, since you're getting a lot of acceptance in the B2B space, so obviously the sellers are getting it. They're getting yes. the value of what Power Buy can do for them as a platform. How are they or you finding getting the users to choose Power Buy as the option? To well, when you go to you know one of my 800 merchants that are using our checkout, when you go to any product page, you'll they'll see the button. They'll see the add to cart buy now and the price for a buy now transaction versus the power buy. The power buy price will always be cheaper than the than the buy now price because it's based on a, you know you know a, a group discount or a multi product discount. So the shopper naturally gravitates towards the power buy price, and when they click on the button it takes them to an entire interactive checkout experience. So in, and the, the end result of our bunt was based on three to four years of user acceptance testing on Mass Genie first. Right. Yeah, right. And nice. we basically got that consumer adoption, making sure that everyone understands PowerPoint. And we basically translated, transferred that user experience over to what you see on, on Shopify today. 
So you basically, and these are Rick Franzi's words, not yours, but just sort of alpha and beta tested the power by opportunity and experience on your own Correct. platform. So that was the blessing in disguise where, yes, I lost my Series A, but all that, you know, three to four years of experience that we got on our own mar marketplace, we were able to transfer that over to our B2B business. And that's why we were able to yield the, the, the results we're yielding today with our with our merchants. So you really are disrupting the purchasing experience because I don't I'm not an expert. I'm I, all I do is use the platforms to purchase things. And I guess I do that quite frequently. So maybe I am not an expert, but I'm certainly a user. Um, a lot of times things get left in the cart. You know, the best intentions, people want to buy something. But my memory is a lot of a lot of transactions don't go forward after the person puts something in their cart. Is that is it, absolutely correct, Rick. Okay. It, and and then, is that something you help to overcome? Oh, absolutely. So with Power by Checkout, our conversion rate on average is 11.5% versus a buy now checkout is less than about 1%. Wow. Car abandonment rate, ours is at 26% versus the industry average of 75%, as you alluded earlier, Rick. So a wow. lot of brands and retailers have a big problem with their conversion rate and car abandonment rate. And also fraud. I mean, you have no idea how much fraud, the fraud rate for, for e-commerce is, but it's, you know, accelerated after COVID. But because of the fact that what Power By does is we bring trusted traffic into the checkout experience because they're not coming from a click ad or impression, uh, the fraud rate for a Power By checkout is less than 0.05%. So although we, it wasn't our mission to reduce fraud, that was not our core, uh, our, our, our business, but because of the concept alone brings trusted friends and family, the fraud rate just got reduced down to 0.05% for our merchants. I love it when tech, uh, technology entrepreneurs can make the online experience even more of a community experience. And that's part of what I think you're doing with Power By is bringing this a true social community aspect to this of friends and family and relationships to a, what is a third party technology purchase. So this is very exciting. I'm glad you We've had the extra time kind of to explain it a little bit, but you're a serial entrepreneur and you've had a number of different companies. This isn't your first rodeo, as they say. What have you learned from all that experience, Bruce, that you might be able to share with other entrepreneurs that are out there? What I can share with your audience is if you're truly confident with your company, your employees, your product, and more importantly, yourself, like never give up and remain mm -hmm. optimistic even though things are not going according to plan and believe me, they never go according to plan. Never. So as long as you keep your entire company employees crystal focused on the vision and mission of your company, that is by far probably one of the most important aspects of leading a, you know, starting your own business or lead, leading a, a, a company. I think it's the hardest thing to do in business, Bruce, is start a business from scratch. The world doesn't need another fill in the blank, another buying experience. We don't know we need a better buying experience until someone teaches us that. But that's not always easy. So I, I applaud you for not only successfully growing Power Buy, but all the work that you've done before that. But even before you became a serial entrepreneur, you had a career at IBM. And so I'm wondering... Uh, what did your time at IBM do to prepare you to become this successful serial entrepreneur? Well, my experience working at IBM was awesome. I mean, from such a young age, um, I was able to travel across the globe, meeting fellow IBMers, 
that had different backgrounds, cultures, experiences, which I truly believe helped me get a clear understanding how to work with people from different countries. And that's why I was able to do business around the world. And it was probably the catalyst to my entrepreneurship journey that allowed mm -hmm. me to gain the knowledge and more point the confidence to start my first venture outside of my father. And, but I do want to highlight that entrepreneurship, Rick, as you alluded, is not for everyone. It's not easy. And the road ahead is always going to be bumpy. So if you're someone that is used to or comfortable with stability and needs a steady income, like working at a company like IBM is something to be very proud of. And I, I actually highly recommend. Um, so that's kind of, you know, my experience with IBM and the highlights and how that catapulted me to uh, my first, my first company. Having spent a good part of my career in corporate America before I became decided to become an entrepreneur at a later time in my life back in 2007, I completely agree with you. I think it's the illusion of stability when every two weeks the paycheck comes through and the money's in your account versus as an entrepreneur, you're always, you know, that is, there's not that certainty in it. So I agree with you. If you don't have the stomach for the roller coaster, you shouldn't get on the ride that is being an entrepreneur. Agreed. So where do you go to get access to other entrepreneurs who have insights or experiences that can help you to stay ahead of your competition and grow your firm? So when I first started my first business, I joined an organization called Entrepreneurship Organization or EO. And there I was able to meet fellow entrepreneurs who all share the same experiences, both good and bad. And we meet once a month to discuss them. And if it wasn't for my experience at EO, I don't think I would have been able to get through some of the difficult challenges and hurdles that I experienced throughout my journey. So I highly recommend an organization like EO, where you're with like-minded individuals or entrepreneurs, you're in a safe environment, and you're there to discuss both business and personal. Uh, so EO was probably for me one of my best experiences uh, that I have being an entrepreneur. I think I applaud you for that. I think everybody should find their own community of people who can be advisors without a formal relationship because you can get some really great advice from your peers. I think that's really where a lot of the answers are. So let's look to tomorrow. What's the vision and future? Where, where are you taking power by? So um, as I mentioned earlier, Rick, like e-commerce, in my opinion, hasn't been disrupted since the 90s. Um, you know, when you go to any site, it's still the same checkout experience, just different products. There's a lot of technology out there, you know, that kind of complement it. But at the end of the day, it truly hasn't been disrupted. So I we truly believe that Power Buy is going to disrupt e-commerce and social commerce. And my vision is for Power Buy's checkout experience to be the norm um, in a few years on every single uh, e-commerce site out there in the world. Just the way when you go to uh, um, uh, e-commerce site, you see the add to cart buy now. Just it's just the norm now, but mm -hmm. we're hoping that in a few years, Power Buy will also be the norm and complement the buy now or add to cart checkout experience. And you've heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, uh, from the founder himself, Bruce Watanabe. How does someone connect with you, or learn more about your firm, or possibly get engaged with Power Buy? Sure. So you can uh, go to our corporate website. It's powerby.app, and you can learn more about our, uh, our product, which uh, what, what, where our product is made available. 
And one thing I do want to note is last year in 2021, my company was selected as one of the most fundable companies in uh, 2021 by Pepperdine University. And because of that, uh, a company named Net Capital that allows non-accredited investors to invest in startups like Powerbuy, uh, they reached out to us and we decided to start working with them. And because of the fact that you know, social and personal networks is in the DNA of our company. We wanted to give everyone an opportunity to invest in Powerbuy, but also get the word out. And my, that's why my board approved this, uh, this um, working with Net Capital. So if anyone's interested in owning a piece of my company, uh, you can go to netcapital.com and search for Powerbuy, and you can make a nominal investment of a hundred dollars up into up up to whatever uh, investment that you would like to invest in. And yeah, you can own a piece of history. So uh, please go to netcapital.com, search for Powerbuy, and you can uh, participate in our journey with us. Congratulations on that. And that's really an exciting way to democratize investing in fast growth, successful early stage companies is through some platform like that. I'm really- yeah, because in the past, all the investors that have invested in Powerbuy are either a family office, uh, a VC, or a corporate VC. And net capital allowed, uh, we had to go through a bunch of SEC requirements and audit reviews, but it allows any non-accredited investors to make a, a nominal investment, even using a credit card. So I thought that was really cool and slick. <laughs> Never heard of it before. Yeah. And that, I, I, again, I think it's great to allow others to uh, take an opportunity to invest in a company such as yours. So thank you for bringing that up. And thank you, Bruce, for taking a little bit of time out of a busy, hectic schedule to share your company's story and your vision for the future. I really appreciated it. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. And I really enjoyed the time together. And I'd like to thank the audience. You've listened to another episode of Orange County's longest running business talk show. Bruce's episode was episode number 1350 in our catalog. Feel free to peruse it and see what else is there. But if you're an Orange County entrepreneur and you'd like to tell your story, then connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And that's the same as my website, rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions We'll move your company in a positive direction. Mm -hmm.